Thank you for tuning in to the Bright City Podcast. We're so honored to share this moment with you. For the next few weeks, our we will be in a sermon series called The Invitation. We are using clips from the TV series called The Chosen. So what does this mean for our podcast listeners? Each episode or sermon will be based on a few clips taken from The Chosen TV series. In order to have the full experience, we'll put the episode information and the timing of each clip used in corresponding order in the show notes. Now you might be thinking, this makes it really difficult to listen to the podcast as I drive, walk, or even work out. My prayer for us is rather than this being seen as difficult, it will allow us to be intentional as we listen and hear what God has for each of us. Listen to the message, take time to watch the clips, and I know God will meet you in a mighty way. I'm so excited for today's message, and I pray it blesses you beyond your wildest belief. Good morning. How are we feeling? Love it. It's so good. I'm so glad. It's also super appropriate to say, like, tired, not into it, (laughs) personally really distracted about some posters I need to make for my son's high school today. That's my answer. I was worshiping, like, do not think about those posters. Don't think about posters. Think about God. Um, That's where my head was at. Anybody else? Amen. Great. Father, thank you for this time together. Change our hearts and our minds with your word. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey, I'm Jess. It is an honor to be here with you guys this morning. I have the great privilege of being an owner here at Bright City. And if that language is a little funky to you, somebody saying they're an owner of a church, we're going to unpack that a little bit today. We are in the second week of our series called The Invitation, where we are watching just short clips from the TV series The Chosen and talking about it and talking about God's word and what we see in it. Anybody totally unfamiliar with The Chosen? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, great. Awesome. A lot of you I knew were probably here last week. We started it last week. Anybody, like, obsessed with The Chosen? Yes, me too. I'm obsessed. I really like it. But I have to confess to you guys that I was not obsessed for a minute, and that is because when somebody tells me to do something, I don't want to do it. And so people would be like, you've got to watch The Chosen. You're going to love it. It's Jesus and it's people. And it's, you know, it's, you also like TV. And I, I would say like, cool, but I, no thanks. It's not for me because you told me to do it. Um, and then my mom told me to do it and I, can't, I have to do what she says. So I was like, fine, I'll watch it. And now our family is obsessed. We, we can't get enough of The Chosen. We're waiting for the next episode at all times. But... Here's the deal. I I was talking to a friend this week. I have this friend. Her name is Adi, and she's an incredible leader, and she's just a lover of Jesus, lover of people, and um, Adi was talking to me about, we were talking really about the the topic of deconstruction, and um, a phrase I know a lot of you are probably familiar with, this idea that um, there's this invitation or this movement to kind of deconstruct our faith, deconstruct our ideas of God and our ideas of church and what, what isn't helpful and what is. And so I was telling Adi, like, I said, you know, Bright City, if I'm honest, uh, and downtown Charleston and some of the surrounding areas, it's a community of people who are really post-church. Um, it's not a heavily churched area that we live in. It's, I, I think a lot of us would agree, a lot of the people that we spend time with aren't, um, like, 
church people. And I love that about Charleston. I love that we're kind of taking this deep blink and saying, what is God? Who is God? What is church? What do I want from, what do I want from the kingdom? And, and, and what is true and what is not? But Adi said this beautiful thing about reconstruction, essentially. And she said, um, she said, you know, the, the only problem with deconstruction is when people take things off and take things off and take things off and they take Jesus off. She said, because like, you know, he's the one, he's the one thing. Like we just can't, we just can't lose Jesus. And if I'm honest, like there's a few other things I'd be like, also don't lose the Holy Spirit. And like, also, also don't lose the love of the father. Like there's a lot of other things I'd put on there, but I was like, yeah, you're right, Adi. And she said, what's cool about Jesus is that there's no one better to reconstruct with than a humble carpenter. And she said, he's, he's the person to walk with. He's the person to talk to. He's the person to pay attention to. He's the main character to watch and to say, like, what are you doing? How are you interacting with people? How are you interacting with me? And so while we watch these short little clips of The Chosen that are fictionalized based on fact and based on historical truth, not just historical truth we see in the Bible, but historical truth we see in other historical documents, um, I just want to invite you, even the scenes where Jesus isn't, just like watch for Jesus. Look for him and pay attention to him. So this week, we're going to catch up with Mary. Last week, we watched a little bit of her story. Absolutely, there are some parts that were, you know, fictionalized and and kind of unpacked, and uh, this is how it could be. But there are some parts that are wildly historical about Mary. We know that she was a follower of Jesus, that she helped financially support his ministry. We know this about Mary Magdalene, that she uh, is what um, historians call the apostle to the apostles. She was the first human human alive to see the resurrected Jesus Um, in John 20, just a powerful moment where she sees him and she realizes he is who he says he was. And he says, go and tell the disciples that I'm up, go and tell the disciples that this is all real, incredible moments. But, but this really poignant part that is also historically accurate that we see in the chosen we saw last week is that her in her first experience with Jesus was when he healed her from seven demons. Um, and so I am a, I'm a big fan of Mary Magdalene because whenever you find someone who's really desperate for Jesus and who is really aware of just what a mess they'd be without him, you find extreme devotion. And so we're going to catch back up in Mary's story. Again, some of this is historically accurate and some of it is like, this is what could have happened. Um, we're going to catch back up with Mary, and today's invitation that we're watching is the invitation to lead, and we're going to see Mary start to step into some leadership. So let's, let's watch here first. So good. So Mary is preparing to host her, her first Shabbat, which is uh, the practice of Sabbath, the one day off to honor God with rest and worship him with ceasing. And it's actually a really honored position for women um, to lead Shabbat in their homes, whether they're married or not. It's, it's just an incredible role that she's stepping into. So here are a few things I noticed right off the bat. Jesus isn't in this scene, but Jesus is in this scene. We have a woman who was once possessed by demons, living in bondage, and is now testifying 
to who she is and who he is. So Jesus is in the scene. The effects of Jesus are already on the screen. We also see the effects of Jesus in the life of Nicodemus, a Pharisee who's been expecting God to do one way to show up in one way to show up in power and rules and regulations. And instead, he's witnessing the miraculous power of grace and mercy that comes for people who don't necessarily deserve him. So Jesus isn't in this scene, but Jesus is in this scene. Here are some things I noticed about Mary. Number one, Mary is already leading because she's testifying, because she's saying, I was one way and now I'm not. She's already preaching. She's already leading. She's already encouraging other people. She's already living out the fulfillment of the prophecy and revelation that says they will defeat the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Mary is already leading. There is no waiting period with Jesus between redemption and commissioning into leadership. He doesn't say you need a six-week course. He doesn't say you need to go to seminary. He doesn't say you need to get your life figured out. He doesn't say you need to know a lot. He says, like, I've called you by name. You are mine. Build my kingdom. This is your invitation. So this is what we see in Mary Also, she's stepping into this esteemed role of leading Shabbat. It was a big deal for women. They started Shabbat by the lighting of the candles. They continued to lead throughout Shabbat, throughout prayer, and then they closed Shabbat out. They prepared it. And so I love just watching her say, like, I'm ready for this. I'm definitely scared. I definitely don't feel worthy. But I'm going to say yes to what God asked me to do. This week, I had some friends who were at a leadership retreat, and, and these are people who live in, uh, or lead in different capacities, but um, they were all gathered here in Charleston, and so I was like, I'll come join you guys for the day and hang out with you. Um, and at some point, we were all hanging out on the beach, and as sometimes happens when leaders get together, they were kind of letting all of these pain points of leadership just kind of spill out onto the sand. And so some of them were saying like, why are, why are leaders so prone to be prideful? Like, why am I so prone to be prideful? And why are other leaders so prone to be prideful? And they were saying, why are the people we lead so prone to apathy? Like, what makes them just so, like, unengaged? And, and this is so hard. These are just things that I find we talk about a lot. And then they were talking about, like, why are the people that we're leading just constantly fighting with each other? Why are they missing the main point? Why are they missing the kingdom and arguing about other things and creating dividing lines between them? And they're just letting all these tensions fall out. And to be 110% honest, y'all, I was not in the mood. Like I didn't have answers and they weren't like looking to me for answers, but I was like, I don't really want to talk about this anymore. Leadership is hard enough. Sometimes it's hard to talk about how it's hard. Um, But I was laying there, and that morning, I was laying on the beach just kind of listening to them, and that morning I had watched this clip to just prepare. And so I was laying there, and I was thinking, and I said, how much of it, how much of these leadership pain points are because we've just forgotten the rescue? We've just forgotten how far we were from God and how much we didn't deserve his love and grace and mercy. We've just forgotten how miraculous it was that he called us by name. And and when we forget that rescue, we just get funky with other people and we get stressed and we forget obligation and we get apathetic and we just kind of turn into a mess and we turn on each other. 
Because I'll tell you this, y'all, it's really hard to be at the feet of Jesus and to be in the throne room of grace and to say, like, you rescued me, you redeemed me, you called me out of the pit, you saved me. When I was far from God, you called my name. But have you, what are you doing about her? Because she's a wreck. It's real hard to be prideful and mad at other people. It's real hard to, like, work from a place of non-generosity and like holding on to what you have when you realize Jesus gave it all for you. And so I wondered how much of that is our issue. Um, I I was thinking back to when I first became a believer. I've I've shared some of this in different messages. I met Jesus when I was 15. It was a non-dramatic, non-life-changing. It was life-changing, but it didn't look life-changing to other people. I was at a worship gathering and I just was like, forget it, I'm in. Like, yeah, I'm in. I, I, I choose Jesus, like, whatever that means. And I, I was just between me and God. And the only thing that was really remarkable about it is that I, I just literally in so many ways became a different person overnight. And the day before that, I, I, I don't mind telling y'all, I tell stories about this all the time. I was a little bit of a sociopath as like a 14-year-old. I didn't really care about other people. I didn't care about who I hurt. Um, I did not care where my life was going. And then all of a sudden, I cared. Uh, I was thinking about it this week, like some of the death to life stuff. I, I was embroiled in a lot of different addictions. And, and really soon after meeting Jesus, I experienced freedom from those. But one of the smallest but most significant changes for me was that I used to, to want to steal from people. Um, and I, I wanted to steal from stores, but I wanted to steal from friends. Like if I went to your house and you had a sweater and I liked it, good luck. It's horrible. I was like a 14-year-old. I just wanted stuff from people. And I was laughing to myself this week thinking about it because if I had to be honest with you, I would say one of the most frustrating things I think probably for Nick about the way I handle finances is I'm like irreverently, irresponsibly generous now. And it's not because I, I'm not telling you that because I'm like, I give all the time, but like, I, I am really bad at buying meals for other people. It's a lot of what I spend my money on. And if we're in a store now and you're like, I really like that sweater, I'm going to be like, oh, uh, you're going home with that sweater. You know, it's like just one of these huge things, like day to night, he took me from being like a taker to a giver. But then there were other seasons. I had this season in my 20s after I knew Jesus, but I was just kind of struggling and I had just stepped into a lot of different bondage and I was massively struggling with defeat. And I I remember being in this season and um, I had decided somewhere along the way that I was of no value to the world. And I had made a decision, I will never work again. I'm never gonna have another job um, because I just felt so defeated. I felt like I didn't have any gifts or any strengths. Um, I'd kind of just decided the best thing I could do was keep my floors clean. I was like, if I can just keep, if I can just sweep these floors and keep the floor clean, I'll be okay. And I remember one day my mom called me. We lived in Seattle at the time and my family was starting to be able to tell they lived here and they could, they were starting to tell that I was a mess, like something was not right with me. And I'll never forget like holding the phone and sweeping. And, and my mom was like trying to speak life over me and trying to say like, you've got a call on your life. Don't forget, God's given you these gifts. He wants to use you. And I remember just saying out loud, like you're, you're actually wrong. I'm, not a good, I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad leader. I can't even keep the floors clean. And when I think about that moment compared to how I feel after really God rescued me out of that particular pit, 
I'm just so undone and overwhelmed by his rescue. But the truth is, if I don't think about it, I can move on and be like, well, I'm, I'm an okay leader. I've read some books. I listen to the right podcasts. I've been in the right rooms. And now I know how to do things and I can encourage and empower other people. But I forget that it was actually just because Jesus rescued me. It's just because he called my name and said, like, that's not your story. I love another thing I just noticed again watching this, this morning is how Mary says, I don't go by that name anymore. I don't answer to that name anymore. And that kind of authority only comes when you are very aware of who brings that kind of healing in your life. I can't speak with authority about what I can do, but I can sure enough speak with authority about what Jesus does. This is what he does, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. If anyone is in Christ, the new has come. Who you used to be, you are not anymore. And who you are right now, you might not be tomorrow when Jesus gets a hold of that part of your life. And remembering that rescue is a very important part of our invitation into leadership. Now we're gonna flip ahead to Mary actually executing her first Shabbat and I want you to just pay attention to what Jesus does in the room. I wanna pause and tell you about a special opportunity for the people of Bright City Charleston. Have you ever struggled to live like Jesus in your own context? Do you struggle in having a vision of what it looks like for the church to bring the kingdom into culture? I know I've struggled with both of these things. A few years ago, we wrote a curriculum called The Way of the Bright, a creative vision for shining in a dark world. The heart behind this curriculum was to provide the owners of Bright City with a path to order our lives around seven different tenets to help us encounter God and shine in our culture. This fall, for the first time ever, we're offering The Way of the Bright as one of our weekly groups so we can walk through the material together, growing closer to God and growing closer to each other at the same time. This will be an incredible group for all who struggle with having a vision of what it looks like to live like Jesus in our world. This would also be an incredible opportunity for anyone who is new to Bright City or anyone who wants to dive in deeper to this church family. We're hosting the group here at Bright City Church every Monday night for eight weeks starting on September 13th. The groups start at 6.30 p.m. and will wrap up at 8 p.m. And for all those who need it, we'll be offering some amazing children's activities. We're anticipating a fruitful time as we navigate this sacred commitment we can make with one another and God. And I can't wait to see you there. This is your home, and I would love for you to do it. So I'm going to give you a one-minute plug about why I think everybody should watch The Chosen. Try not to ignore me. Um, I love scripture. I love the Bible. I love the Bible because it's so interesting. And what's interesting, I just if you haven't already watched this clip or if you're not interested, we're seeing multiple prophecies mentioned and revealed here. Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. We're seeing it lived out. Um, Luke 7, about how Jesus is the greater Elijah. John 1.46, a phrase often repeated around this time, nothing good can come out of Nazareth. And we're also seeing messianic secret lived out, which is something that's found a lot in the Gospels. It's where Jesus 
um, essentially like allowed his positioning as the Messiah to be to be secret until the right time that it was revealed. So I, it just makes scripture so interesting when you're looking at it. And you're like, that's what it could have looked like. Okay, that's what it could. This is what it could have looked like. This is so helpful to me. Here is what I'm noticing from this tiny clip. Um, number one, Mary obviously doesn't see those that she serves and gets to lead as less than. There's a whole sermon here. The rest of the episode is actually mirroring back and forth between Mary's Shabbat and Nicodemus's Shabbat. And Nicodemus's Shabbat, people are vying for the best spot at the table. And Mary obviously is stepping into this honored role of servant and leading Shabbat, but she's inviting people who've never been invited somewhere. This is a whole message in and of itself. Um, she's also not there for her own glory. She, it's not about her feeling special, but she does take her role seriously. And even though she's terrified to do it, she's stepping into it and saying yes because she knows it matters, because she knows it's important. So here's the other thing that I want us to just focus on. It's that one line that he says right at the end. This is your home. I'd like you to do it. This week, we were in a staff meeting, and like I mentioned at the beginning of the message, we call ourselves owners here. If you're an owner at Bright City, it means four things. It means that you give, you tithe here, you say, I I faithfully give back what God's given me, and I tithe here. It means you serve here, you say, I want to give my gifts and use my gifts for the good of others and the glory of God in this local body. It means you're a part of a community, you're in, in a group or you're in relationships where you allow yourself to be known and you want to know other people. And it means also that you ascribe to the way of the bright, which is our seven different cultural tenets. And so that's what it means to be an owner here at Bright City. And the reason why we say owner is really intentional. We are actually having an open discussion about it this week at staff meeting. We were talking about, even though we've been, feel like we've been unpacking this idea of ownership for years, it's still fuzzy for people and that's real and that's honest. Um, And so we were just kind of talking about it and our friend Anna, who's on staff at Bright City, said this. She said, what's important for us to always remember is that members have rights and benefits, but owners have authority and responsibility. Members have rights and benefits, but owners have authority and responsibility. And what we see just mirrored in this little narrative with Jesus and Mary is that he doesn't want fans and he doesn't want members and he doesn't want attendees. He wants people to own the authority that they've been given. And so this is just your reminder right now today about the authority that you have in your own life. I want to remind you in the name of Jesus that you have the authority to lead yourself. If your soul is feeling sticky or tired or going astray, in the name of Jesus, you have the authority to do what you need to do to get in the presence of God, to get in the word of God to get in the presence of other believers and to address the needs of your own soul. You have the authority to do that. You've been given it. And the spirit of God, if by grace through faith you believe in him, the spirit of God is working in you to help you do that. You have the authority to lead yourself. You are not a victim to how your soul feels. And you are not a victim to this world. You have the authority in the name of Jesus to lead in your home. Single women, single men, dads, mothers, grandparents, 
roommates, wherever you call home, you get to step into that physical space and take the authority that's been given to you to lead it, to bring a kingdom-minded mindset to your space, to be a life speaker, to be a hope bringer, to pray heaven down on your own home. You've been given the authority to do that. You don't have to wake up and even ascribe to the the temperature that's in your home. You've been given the authority to shift it. And if you don't like it, you don't have to just live into it. You've been given the authority to lead in your own home. You've been given the authority to lead in your relationships. If they are not life-giving, you get to be a part of the change. You've been given the authority to make new relationships, to see Jesus in new people. You've been given the authority by that same passage in 2 Corinthians 5 that says the old has gone, the new has come. It says we've been reconciled to God so that we might be the reconcilers To not be the person saying, like, it's all a mess, it's all a mess, but being the person to say, Jesus is here, and I want to see it mended, and I will use what I've got to do that. And in the name of Jesus, you have the authority to be the light in a city that is dark and hurting, to go into your jobs, to go into secular spaces, to go into your coffee shops and your spin studios and your favorite bars and bring the name of Jesus there. You have what it takes, just like Mary. There's no waiting period. You don't have to have all the right words. You don't have to be doing it right. In fact, you won't but you get to go. Let me remind you scripturally of some of the, some of the truth. Let's, if you want to say it from memory, I know my kids can. Let's remind ourselves of this thing. We're going to pray over ourselves at the end. Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's not a pithy statement. It's a calling and a commissioning, and when you hear it, let it hit. This is who we are. We are the light of the world, empowered and commissioned by God. Luke 10, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. When you walk out of here, you don't have to cower at the dark. You should expect the world to feel broken, and you should expect God to bring the light through you because it will happen. It's not up to you and I. It's up to him, and he has the capacity. It's never been limited. Matthew 18, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. If there is something in culture that you are feeling broken about, get with some believers and start praying, pound out the pavement, go on a prayer walk, come in here, meet us at 930 and call down heaven and let's agree in the name of Jesus that we don't have to just be consumers and attendees of the world, but we are commissioned with authority and ownership. Amen? Amen. Here are the two main messages I want you to hear that I'm hearing. You can hear whatever you need to hear from God's word and from Jesus. But the first one that I'm hearing is this. We cannot forget what he's done for us. We cannot lose touch with the power of the rescue that we have experienced. And because I love you, I want to say this. If you're like, I, I, I haven't lost touch with it, it never happened. You're not too late. 
If you don't have a moment where you said, like, I know, I know that before that day I was one way and after that day I was another, that day actually might be today. It might be today that you need to say yes to Jesus, however that looks for you. But none of this authority comes without that moment. So in the name of Jesus, we cannot forget the rescue. We cannot start believing that we did all this and that this was our idea and that we're all just so tidy because we know the right things. We only know what we know because God loves us. We only know grace and truth because he loves us. We only are a part of the family of God because he chose us while we were still sinners. We do not have the authority or the privilege on righteousness. It's all from him. And then here's the second thing I'm trying to remember as I watch these clips. We cannot forget this beautiful invitation we've been given to lead. We cannot forget this beautiful invitation we've been given to lead. Here's what happens if we, if we do one without the other. If we decide that we want to be leaders and we want to cultivate the world around us, but we forget that we've been rescued, we'll be incredibly prideful and mad at everybody else. We don't want to live like that, right? It's also just not fun. But if we remember the rescue, but we don't take the invitation to ownership, we will be very selfish consumers of the church and of the power and presence of God. We'll be people who come in continually needy. I believe in the name of Jesus, there is nothing wrong with being needy for God. I am just desperate for God to move. But what's wrong is when we're needy and we're also not helping meet other people's needs. That's a problem. And what happens if we don't do both is that we'll do a really good picture of a consumeristic church. We'll we'll look like a super cute country club. And there will be no power and there will be no presence and there will be no grace and there will be no mercy and there will be no multiplication because we'll just be people who come in and look at each other and share our opinions and walk out. And I don't wanna do that. Do y'all wanna do that? This week I was asking God, uh, why, like why ownership? Honestly, that leadership retreat might've put me in a little bit of place. Like sometimes it's easier for me to just like speak life and hope and belief. And it's harder for me when I'm reminded about everything that's hard about leadership. And I wanna say leadership is hard. Ownership is hard. I know y'all know this, wherever you lead in whatever capacity you lead in, I would say even as a mom, like even as, a, even as somebody who just lives in my home, honestly, I'd rather not lead sometimes. There's, a, there's days when I wake up and I'm like, who is thinking about me? You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't wanna show up and like point the ship and be the one that serves. And I definitely feel that in the church. I definitely feel that in the church. And I feel it in so many other spaces too. And so I was asking God, like, you tell me again, why is, why is ownership better? Like, why is ownership better? Why is it better to lead? And I just heard him say, like, the view. It's the view. The view is so much better in ownership. I feel like a little bit, um, there's, it's almost like this trick that a lot of us have been tricked into believing that we just want to go to a really nice restaurant. We want to go to a really nice restaurant and just enjoy and like sit down and be fed. I, lo- I love a really nice restaurant for the record. Um, and I love to sit down and be fed and have someone treat me and, and feed me and take care of me and meet all my needs. But I feel like a lot of us are going through life spiritually and we're like, I just want to go to the really nice restaurant. I want to walk in and get the really nice meal and I want to walk out. But the problem is what's happening in the kitchen is miraculous. It's nuts. 
It's wild. People are meeting Jesus. People are getting healed. People are experiencing purpose and value and calling. Marriages are being knitted back together. People are experiencing new life. And so what I'm telling you is, I think that the enemy wants to convince you to walk in and sit down at the nice table and eat a few bites and say, mmm, delicious, going home now. But what's happening in the kitchen is beautiful and risky. And we need you in the kitchen, specifically at Bright City. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. In the clearest way I can say it. The view is just better when you own the mission. You see Jesus more clearly. You see what he's doing in people's lives. And you just remember continually that you've been rescued. Let me pray for us. Father, I just want to take a second and make some space for my friends who would say, like, I've never had that rescue. I've never had a day where I was one way and then I was another. I've like kind of gently believed in God or I've gone along with it or I've nodded along, but I've never, I've never felt rescued. And I just want to take space for them now. And if this is you, you can just kind of pray this alongside me. And um, God, we don't know, we don't even understand how salvation works. We don't even, it's just so miraculous and wild that you look at us and say like you, I'm calling your name, now's your time. But if this is you if, you, if you want that rescue, would you just say yes to God right now with me? And I just want to make space. Nobody's looking. If you want to just raise your hand so I can just see and just say, like, thank God. Thank God with you. Thank God. Thank God. Father, I want to take a little space for my friends who, said, who would say, like, yeah, I've been rescued. It was a long time ago or it was a short while ago, and I've just forgotten. I've just forgotten that... It was a miracle that I got to be a part of the family of God. I've forgotten that it wasn't my good works. I've forgotten that I didn't do any of all, any of this, but it was just you. And that it's a miracle that I get to be known and loved. And, and for any of my friends who would say like, I've just forgotten the rescue. If you wanna just throw a hand in the air, that's me too. And I just wanna say, yeah, I've forgotten too. God, we've forgotten and we wanna remember. Will you help us to remember what a miracle it is in the name of Jesus that we get to be loved and seen by the creator of the universe. Amen, thank you. Father, I just wanna make a little bit of space for those of us who have really slipped into some complacent consumerism or even just a critical spirit that we just watched from the outside and it's been just easier to easier to pick apart or watch or even be entertained by other people owning the mission of the kingdom and we thank you so much that when we repent from this um, from just this kind of critical consumption and when we say yes to leadership and ownership, that wild refreshment comes. And so for any of my friends that are saying like, listen, I want the better view. I wanna be in the kitchen. 
you can just slip a hand up and I'm with you too, truly saying like, God, I wanna be generous with what you've given me. I wanna own what you've given me. I wanna step into the authority that you've given me in my own soul. I wanna step into the authority. Any of my friends that say, I wanna step into the authority to lead well in my home, maybe throw your hand in the air. For anybody saying, I wanna step into the authority given to me to lead well in my city, throw your hand in the air. If you wanna say like, I need to step into the authority to lead well at bright city I'm I'm in I don't want to just watch throw a hand in the air and we just say yes and amen thank you God thank you for your commissioning thank you for loving us thank you for not just asking us to sit on the sidelines but inviting us to lead it's in the name of Jesus we pray Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bright City Podcast. If today's message and clips from the Chosen TV series prompted you to answer the invitation to follow Jesus for the first time, we want to hear about it. Please email us at hello at brightcity.church and we'd love to help you take the next steps in your faith walk. If you call yourself an owner at Bright City, thank you in advance for your generosity. You can do so by Venmo at Bright City or by visiting brightcity.church slash generosity. Additionally, if you have any other questions, please feel free to visit us at brightcity.church. And lastly, I'd love to close our time together with a reading from Matthew 5. You are the light of the world, a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven.